first of all, my, my name is Brian Bradley. I'm one of the elders here at the church. And uh, I'd like to start by telling you a story. Eleven years ago, just a little over eleven years ago, I was at a place in my life that was not good. I don't know if you've been at one of these places, uh, but, but things were, they were coming down around me. Things were falling apart. Things that I had worked so hard to build were crumbling in my hands. I felt hopeless. I was devastated. I was crushed. I was drenched in sin and could not see a way out. It was the beginning of the financial crisis. If you all remember that, who forget it, right? My, my business was suffering uh, as sales were, were dropping off quickly. Um, my home, which I had bought right at the peak, was dropping in value. Great timing. Um, but that wasn't the stuff that kept me up at night. What was keeping me up at night, and on this night in particular, was the fact that my wife of the time had just told me that she would be leaving, that she would rather not be with me, but would rather be with another man. It was the, the last night, specifically I'm talking about July 3rd, 2008, the last night my ex-wife was, was in our home. She left the next morning. Th this is the night, this is the point where all of these other forces kind of came to a head, right? All of these things that were going on in my life, my, my feeling of, of my, my earth shattering, all came to this one point, and it was more than I could handle. Maybe some of you have been at a point like that. It was more than I could take. I was physically ill because of the distress I was feeling. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't stand up. It was just horrible. And that night, late, late in the night, one, maybe two in the morning, I just had to leave. I, I just had to get out. I didn't know where to go, but I had to get out. And I drove around, and, and in a roundabout way, I end up in a parking lot on a hilltop that overlooks part of the town, down where my house was. And I, I get out of my truck in this parking lot on this hilltop, just at the end of myself. And I, I just, I, I had it out with God. I, I said, where are you? How is this a part of your great plan? Now up until this point, I wasn't a Christian, though I went to church. Jesus was not my Lord or my Savior. Okay, I, I hadn't read his Bible, but I vaguely knew of some of the things it said. And I know somewhere in there, there was something about a promise and a plan and a will. And I, I said, God, where is that plan right now? Because it feels like you don't have one. Everything's falling apart. And for the first time, in my life, I had a, a real conversation with God, real prayer. Sometimes real prayer is not flowery, not meant for public ears. This was real prayer. I was really crying out. 
And in that moment, in that place, in that parking lot on a hilltop, God met me there. There's no audible voice. None of the bushes were on fire. They were all regular bushes, okay? I, I, I don't really know how to describe it other than I, I just felt God's presence in some vague way. I, I felt like God met me there, and I felt like God answered me and responded to me in a way that was unique to that point in my life. I said, God, if this is your plan for me, somehow this is, is how this is going down. It's out of my control at this point. So if this is the way it's going, you have got to carry me because I am not strong enough to get through tomorrow or the day after that or the day after that. God, you're going to have to carry me because I just don't have any strength left. And I, I felt, though I couldn't explain it at the time or uh, understand what that would mean, I felt like God said, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you. I felt a certain peace that defies the situation, and I got back in my truck and I drove home. God met me in that place. Despite my sin, I, I was, as I said, drenched in sin. I was so deeply involved in sin that, that it was just a part of who I was, and yet God met me there. I did not clean myself up. I was in no way presentable to God. There was nothing in me that would make a person say, that's someone God should care for and bless. That's someone God should not leave or forsake. There was nothing in me that would say that. And despite all of that, God met me there. We're going to continue in the book of Genesis. I encourage you to, to grab a Bible and open it up to Genesis chapter 48. We're continuing the story of this family. And we're nearing the end. I think next week Matt is going to uh, conclude the, the whole series here in Genesis. We are nearing the end of this story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then his 12 sons. Specifically, we've been talking about Joseph, one of these 12 sons, who was forsaken by his brothers. He was, uh, he was sold into slavery. And when things uh, were bad, they got worse. He ended up in prison. But if you remember, and, and if not, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast and, and get caught up to this point. Um, he ends up number two in the world. He is second heir only to Pharaoh in the most powerful nation in its time. And, and he is providing for his family. And, and we get to this point in the story, and things are looking pretty good. He's moved his family with him in Egypt. They have food during a famine. They are safe. They are favored by Pharaoh. Pharaoh so loves Joseph and what he's done for his nation that he invites his whole family and his whole clan as honored guests, lets them choose any of the land they want and puts them up there. And chapter 48 in particular takes a, a little bit of a step back 
and we, we remember the life of Jacob. This is Joseph's father, Jacob, who is also named Israel, who is renamed by God Israel. Jacob is near the end of his life. He's in at chapter 48, his, his final days. His eyesight has left him. He's um, confined to his bed, and he's, he's going to pour out some blessings on the next generation. He, he starts this, as we read this, you'll, you'll see, he starts by recalling a time when God met him and when God blessed him. He recalls a time uh, early in his life when he had just conned and schemed and tricked his own brother out of his birthright and his inheritance. He recalls a time when he was drenched in sin and God met him and he blesses him. Let's read chapter 48 and then I will point out some observations uh, from this passage. Chapter 48 of Genesis. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned, remember Israel and Jacob, same person. Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I will make of you a company of peoples and you will give this uh, and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. Reuben and Simeon are, are a couple of Joseph's brothers. He's adopting his grandsons as his own children. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Paddan to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way. When there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, uh, and I buried her on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, who are these? Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Remember that Jacob thought his son was dead for many, many, many years. And he's just overcome with joy that he not only gets to see his son, but his grandsons as well. Then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, 
bless the boys. And in them, let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim and it displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn, put your right hand on his head. So you see, he, he brought his sons to his father in a particular order so that when he reached out his right hand, that would be on the firstborn, so that the blessing would be as it should be. And now he sees his father crossed his hands as he started to bless these boys. He thought his father was maybe confused, blind, whatever, uh, and said, no, 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 it's the other way. He's saying, no, th this isn't an accident, right? Not this way, Father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his, uh, on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall be a great people, or shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you, rather than to your brothers, one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. Okay. So what, what all is going on here? Um, he's near the end of his life, as I mentioned. He's going to bless his grandsons. And first of all, he starts by recalling his blessing. Before he goes out handing out blessings to his children and to his grandchildren, he recalls how God has blessed him, right? He, he recalls uh, that time in Luz, L-U-Z, Luz, that's a significant place, in the land of Canaan, that God met him in spite of his sin, in spite of what he had just done to his brother. God met him there, and he made him some promises, and he blessed him. And this blessing is both physical and spiritual. This blessing is physical in the sense that you will be, uh, from you will come a nation, you will multiply, you will be fruitful, you're going to have many children and they will have many children. Uh, it, it includes land. I'm giving to you the land that I promised to Abraham, your grandfather, Isaac, your father, and now to you. All of this land will be yours, the, the land of the promise. So the blessing includes the physical element, but also the spiritual element. God says that I will be with you. And he says again, I will never leave you. When God meets him in that place and he, he chooses to bless Jacob, that blessing comes both physical and spiritual. He recalls that, tells it to his children and to his grandchildren. Then he goes on and he adopts his grandsons, which is a little bit strange. It took me a little while to figure out what exactly was going on. Uh, they, they are, uh, first of all, he's about to die, so what, why are you adopting uh, these kids and then you're not going to be there to care for them? Uh, furthermore, they're about 21 years old. Uh, so what, uh, they're probably all right at this point. Uh, maybe, maybe you don't need to do that. 
Maybe he's old and confused. No, what's going on there is that he wants his grandsons, these two sons, born to his favorite son, Joseph, who went on ahead of them to Egypt and prepared a place and saved the whole tribe, and more than that, the, the, the world in that area, uh, through the, the provisions and, and every, the storing up of food before the famine. Uh, he, he wants to adopt the two sons of his favorite son so that they share in the inheritance as if they're his own. So Joseph was due an inheritance, right, being a son of Jacob, and he would have gotten one share of that inheritance, which includes one portion of the land in the promised land when they go back to it. But by adopting his two sons, the blessing to Joseph is doubled. Now, each of these sons, rather than just Joseph, each of his sons will get a full share of the inheritance, will get a full share of the land when they finally come back to possess it. So he's doubling the blessing to his son uh, Joseph by adopting his two sons. And in fact, later in, uh, in Joshua, when after the, the exodus and, and the, all, you know, all the things that happened, crossing the Red Sea, all those things, Moses leads the people out. They wander in the desert for 40 years. Finally in Joshua, they go and they take the promised land and they are doling out the land and splitting it up between the tribes, and we see there uh, these two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, get a share right along with the other brothers. Uh, and of course, it's not them, but it's their descendants, uh, the tribes uh, following their lineage that receive a blessing. So that's what's going on there. That's why he adopts in uh, his grandsons. It's a means of doubling that blessing for Joseph and, and his offspring. And in fact, Joseph's other sons we don't know uh, who they are, but other sons that come after these will be named according to their oldest two brothers. And so the rest of the blessing for uh, Joseph, they, they end up living in the, the land of those two tribes. That's how that plays out. Uh, my, my third observation um, is that Jacob passes on the blessing that he receives. It may seem obvious, right? That's, that's what this passage is about. But I think it's worth noting. He did not primarily receive a blessing from God for his own sake. He did not primarily receive a blessing from God for his own joy and comfort and pleasure. Although that came along as well. He was given this blessing by God to be a blessing to his children and his children's children. He was given a blessing by God to be a blessing to the world around him. It says that through, through this family, all nations of the earth will be blessed. We see one tiny glimpse of that as the nation of Egypt, not a part of the promise, is blessed because of one of his sons. The nation of Egypt has food during the seven-year famine because of one of Jacob's sons. They are already becoming a blessing to the world. And ultimately, we know that is fulfilled in Jesus, that through this family line, Jesus comes, and Jesus is the blessing for all nations to believe in his name. So Jacob doesn't receive this blessing just for himself. He receives it so that he can go and bless. Right? 
He is blessed so that he can bless others. He pours out the excess which God gives him. My fourth and, and final observation uh, here, and, and then we'll move on to a, a little bit of application. Uh, my, my final observation is that he blesses the younger. And who does that remind you of? But his own blessing received by his father, Isaac. Jacob was the younger of the two sons. Esau, his older brother, did not receive the blessing that he was due, but Jacob received it. And now Manasseh doesn't receive the blessing he's due, but his younger brother receives it. This is consistent. Now, he's not doing this. We have no indication that he's doing this uh, like just because he's got a, a thing for younger brothers, like, well, let me continue this on. I got helped out. Let me help you out. Uh, but what, what's actually happening here is, is something prophetic, right? This is prophecy that, that God has revealed to him that the younger brother will be greater than the older brother, that the older brother will be great and he will be blessed. Uh, he will have a share of the inheritance and all of this, but the older brother is the one who's really, really going to be great. And this is prophecy uh, that, that, that he's communicating, and it's consistent with the way God works. And in fact, I, I, I had to grab this uh, quote because God, God often works differently than we expect. He doesn't bless in the way that we think he might. Matthew Henry says, grace observes not the order of nature, nor does God prefer those whom we think fittest to be preferred, but as it pleases him. God works in a different way. There are many examples of the younger being blessed beyond the elder. And it starts with Abel above Cain, early in Genesis, the first two brothers, Shem above Japheth, Abraham above Nahor and Haran, Isaac above Ishmael, Jacob above Esau, Judah and Joseph were preferred before Reuben, Moses before Aaron, David and Solomon both before their elder brothers. This is consistent in Scripture. And the reason this is worth noting is because Jesus is referred to as the firstborn. Jesus is referred to as the firstborn. And what happens with the firstborn and then those born after? Commonly, God chooses to bless the younger with the blessing due the older. The blessing that Jesus is due is the blessing given to us who believe. This is consistent with the way God chooses to bless. It's not the way that we think it should happen. In fact, even the, the nation of Israel, the Jews are called uh, the firstborn, and yet the Gentile receives tremendous blessing through Jesus. Right, so this is consistent with how God chooses to bless, giving not what is deserved, but uh, blessing given as God sees fit in a, in a glorious and wonderful way. Let, let me move on now to, to some application. Having observed that in the text, I think there's just two points of application 
One is to be blessed. And the second is to go bless. Be blessed and go bless. I see in this passage. First of all, what, what does it mean to be blessed? Did you know that God wants to bless you? Did you know that he, he wants to bless you? There is a great lie in our culture. There is a great lie in our time that all of our culture and Satan himself would love for us to believe and buy into. This great lie has a catchy little uh, phrase that goes with it that even sounds kind of biblical. God helps those that help themselves. Just to be clear, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> uh, not a thing, right? It's not a thing. It's just made up. God helps those that help themselves. The, the idea here is that blessing comes only after we take care of ourselves. Blessing comes only after we do something to deserve it. That if, if we take care of ourselves, if I help myself, pull myself up by my bootstraps, do a real good job, then God's going to help me along. God's going to bless me. And if I'm hopeless and helpless, if I am destitute, down and out, well, you just need to help yourself. Then maybe God will help you. Is that the way God works through his scriptures? No. No. Does he go to Jacob and meet Jacob in Luz because he deserves it? No. Quite the opposite. He doesn't deserve it at all. He just sinned greatly and his brother's after him trying to kill him. He stole the inheritance and can't take it because he's running away. He tried helping himself and it blew up in his face. God meets him when he can't help himself. God comes to him. And, and in my own life, that moment on the hilltop where I feel like God met me there, was that because of some great thing I had done? No, it was, it was because I was at the end of myself. I couldn't help myself. I tried helping myself, and it made things worse. For years I'd been trying to help myself, and it was just going from bad to worse to worse. And then God meets me there. So don't buy into that lie. God wants to bless you. Not because you deserve blessing, but because he's a good father and he, he loves us. Right? Here's another way this lie shows up. Uh, you, you are blessed because you deserve it. Same thing, different words. Um, my wife and I love the word deserve. Uh, we, we, we have kind of this fun thing that uh, is, is kind of messed up. I don't know. But anytime one of us says that we deserve something, we just kind of help give a reality check. Because what, what, do we, what do we really deserve? As people on this earth who are sinners, rebellers of God, what, what do we deserve? We deserve death and hell, right? The wages of sin are death. We, we rightfully earn hell. That's what we deserve. But God saves us and blesses us way beyond what we deserve. Though we deserve something else, he gives us something great, right? And so when one of us says like, man, we should, we should go on a vacation. We really deserve it. 
the other will reply with, well, <laughs> what we deserve is hell, uh, you know, and maybe just taking a couple days off work is a pretty sweet substitute, right? Or it's like, man, we, we really deserve a new car. It's like, well, we deserve hell, and this old clunker's all right, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, it's a little messed up. I, I, listen, uh, only if your spouse is on board can you say that. Uh, <laughs> that is not marital, general marital advice. Uh, well, what you deserve is hell. Uh, <laughs> whew. Brian told me. He told me to say <clears throat> Anyway, Jacob, after conning his brother out of his birthright, what does he deserve? He deserves death. That was a terrible thing to do. Uh, he tricks his brother twice, out of his birthright and out of his inheritance. What does he deserve? His brother wants to kill him? That's justly deserved. What does he get? God meets him in the wilderness and blesses him. We don't get what we deserve. We get something so much better. In that moment on the hilltop, though I felt I was just a victim, the reality was, and God revealed to me years later, that I was deeply sinful, I was failing to lead as a husband in my marriage, and that primarily is why my marriage fell apart. It was, it was for my sin and my failures. What did I deserve on that hilltop? Well, the wages of sin is death. What did I get? Blessing. We don't, we don't get what we deserve. Praise God, we don't get what we deserve. We get something so much better. God offers blessing to everyone. He offers blessing to all, and, and I think that comes in a couple of ways. Just as with Jacob, the blessing came in both a physical and a spiritual form. In, in the physical, I, I would just point out Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 45, where essentially it says, For God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. There is general physical blessing that all people receive just by being created beings in God's world. The sun rises and the sun sets, we all get to enjoy it. The just and the unjust. Christians and non-Christians, we all get to enjoy this general blessing of God. Rain falls on the fields of the believer and of the unbeliever, right? We can be successful in business, we can be successful in work, we can be successful in our family, we can turn out good kids. All these blessings are just general physical blessings from the Lord. Because he's a good God and he loves us and he pours this out to us. And then there's the spiritual blessing. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, that is Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This comes from John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. That to those who believe... We get the right to become children of God, sons of God. We are adopted in. Is it looking familiar? Like, the, like Jacob adopts his grandsons so that they might share in the inheritance. God the Father adopts us who believe in Jesus to share in the inheritance. God offers that blessing to any who would believe. And my, my question as I kind of wrap up this, this section of, of be blessed, is are you blessed? Of course you have received some general physical blessing just by being here. 
but have you received the particular blessing, the spiritual blessing from God to you by believing in Jesus Christ, His Son? Have you allowed yourself to be adopted in as God's own Son, sharing in the inheritance? Are you blessed? Have you been blessed? My plea with you is to be blessed. Receive this blessing. We don't see the the grandsons, Manasseh and Ephraim, pushing away. No, I don't want this. Of course they want it. It's an incredible blessing. Likewise, God wants to bless you. Will you receive it? And my final application is be blessed and it's go bless. There's another lie, which is that the highest and best use of any blessing you receive is to seek your own joy, your own comfort, your own pleasure. And I will tell you, it's a trap. It's a trap. Don't fall into it. The highest and best use of the blessing you receive is not just to seek your own joy and comfort and pleasure. If you take what you received and and you just consume it for yourself, you are left wanting more and more and more, and people waste their whole lives pursuing joy and comfort and pleasure, pouring nothing out to anyone else, trying to fill that void, and it is a trap that will leave you chasing after it forever. It is exhausting. It's exhausting, I know. Life is most satisfying when we're not doing it wrong. And to just take the blessing and use it for ourselves is doing life wrong. I, I work a lot with my hands. I use a lot of tools. Um, guys that work with me give me a hard time because I break a lot of tools. Uh, I'm famous for not using tools right. It's not that I don't know how to use them, but sometimes you're trying to get something extracted from something, or it's just like something's fighting. It's like, well, we take this and we clamp this on there, and you kind of make a new tool, and you get a little more leverage, and you pry something loose. Anyway, you end up breaking a lot of tools that way. When you use a tool for something other than its intended and created purpose, it breaks. It doesn't work right. It's not the best metaphor I've ever had, but it's something, right? Uh, Listen, when we... (laughs) When we do life, uh, when we do life as, as we've been created for, it works better. It's more comfortable, right? We were created, among other things, to pour out the blessing that we receive, to, to pour that out to others. Jacob spent his life pushing against God's design for his life, and it was uncomfortable for him until he finally realized that he was blessed so that he could be a blessing to others. We see that moment when he's overcome with joy that he's able to see his beloved son again. And more than that, but he's able to see his son's sons that he could lay his hands on them, well, like this, and bless them. He's overcome with joy, not because of what he receives, but because he's able to pour out that blessing to others. That's the way it's made. That's the way God designed us. We're designed to bless those around us, both physically and spiritually. Um, We believe that God's blessing is not just for our own joy 
although it does bring that. But we believe that, that God's blessing is so that we could bless others. Uh, Tim Keller says, because Jesus served you in such a radical way, you have a joyful need to serve. Right? And, and this plays out physically that, that we can be generous we can serve others. We can serve the saints. We can serve those in our community. We do things as a church together. We do thing, things within our community groups to, to be a blessing because of how God's blessed us. Matt has been uh, encouraging us as a church to go and serve in the children's ministry. Uh, the fall is coming. Our children's ministry has grown. We've remodeled the space so we have more capacity. We have more classrooms. And we need people to sign up for the fall to help that's a blessing to the church. When you serve, when you sit out, you say, hey, I'm going to sit out church this week. I'm going to sit out the, the, the sermon and the worship. I'm going to go serve these kids, serve these families, so that families can come and hear the gospel preached. That is blessing others because of the blessing we've received, right? And there's so many other ways that that plays out that comes to mind because it's been a, a recent push. We can serve internationally uh, as, as our wealth is unparalleled in the world. We can serve the widow and the orphan, foster care and, and uh, adoption and all of these things. But we also are to share the blessing we've received spiritually. We can do good works, and we should. God calls us to it. But we also need to vocalize the gospel. We need to share with people the good news of Jesus Christ. Because if all we ever do is to bless physically, we're neglecting to bless spiritually which is the, the real blessing. Every other blessing, every physical blessing ends this side of heaven. Every physical blessing has an end to it. It does not go on for eternity. They are good things. But to share the blessing spiritually, to share the good news of Jesus, to share what you believe and why that's changed your life is a blessing that goes on for all eternity. We are called to share that blessing. We are blessed so that we would go and bless. As I prepared this message, um, yesterday I, I was studying and I, I kind of went driving. We have four young kids, so my house is not a place to study. Uh, I, this morning I was, I was doing a little bit of brushing up and kind of going over my notes, and uh, my, my, <laughs> my third daughter, Lily, goes up to Alexa and says, Alexa, play Baby Shark. And so then I'm like trying to study and Baby Shark is playing and I decided this is time to go to the church and study. <laughs> this is not working. Anyway, so I'm, I'm driving around and I, I end up driving uh, down the street and this is just on my mind that, that uh, Jacob wanted to, to recall Luz. And in fact, he, God met him in that place twice. I don't have time to go into the, the second encounter, but God met him there twice. And when he's blessing his grandsons, he recalls that place. And so I ended up going to the parking lot on the hilltop, getting out of my car, and just remembering God's blessing. Eleven and some years later, just remembering how God has blessed me. He, he was with me. The next day, I went to Outward for the first time. Made this my home church. I heard the gospel preached. I became a Christian. God started 
changing all kinds of things. He brought people, I don't have time to go into the whole thing, but God just brought people around me to comfort me and love me and support me. He was answering that prayer. When I felt like he said, I'm not going to leave you, it was absolutely true, and he hasn't. And I'm remarried to my beautiful wife. We have four beautiful daughters. God has blessed me greatly, and it was just good yesterday to go to that place and recall that blessing and let that remind me that I need to go and bless. I need to keep on blessing because of what God has done for me, because of how great, uh, greatly God has blessed me. Let me pray. Father God, we love you so much. God, I love you for meeting me on that hilltop 11 years ago, God, that, that while I was in the midst of sin, while I was brokenhearted, crushed with, with the distress that was in my life as I felt everything was falling apart, you met me there, God. Not because I deserved it, not because I brought anything to the table. God, you, you met me there and you blessed me because you are a good God who loves me. I still can't figure that out. I still can't figure out why. And so I just say thank you. Lord, we as a people, as your church gathered here this morning, say thank you. And one of the ways we say thank you is we worship. And so God, now as we, as we go to a time of singing these songs, would this come from a place of remembering the blessing that we've received and would our hearts just pour out praise for your holy name because you've done so much for us because you are so good. Amen.